Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. I just wanted to uh, mention something, that if any of you have any poker questions that you would like to ask, we are always interested in your questions and comments about the show, about the guests, strategy questions that could be practical questions about where and how to find the game. Send your questions to info at houseofcardsradio.com. And you can also get our tweets on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash HOC radio. We're very interested in them. And of course, if they're particularly interesting, we'll put them on the air and answer them here in our segment of Mailbag. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash HOC radio. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash HOC Radio. Poker players, listen up. Your right to play poker continues to come under attack. But with over 1 million members, the Poker Players Alliance is dedicated to protecting your right to play this great American pastime. Even if you've never played a hand of online poker, the Poker Players Alliance is fighting for you. No matter where you choose to play, the PPA is working hard to defend you your rights, and the game of poker. The PPA is making great strides, but we still need your help. We have sent a clear message to lawmakers and others committed to prohibiting your right to play poker. We are organized, and we vote. Add your voice to our cause and join the Poker Players Alliance today. Visit www.joinppa.org and become part of the fight to save poker. It only takes a few minutes to make a difference the Poker Players Alliance, fighting to protect your freedom to play the game we love. You know what cheers me up? What? Rolled up aces over kings. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The House of Cards. Today, the game is different. With author and professional poker player Ashley Adams. Okay, you have some skill. Good evening, listeners. Welcome to House of Cards. My name's Ashley Adams. Welcome to my world, the poker world. We've got two great guests tonight. First of all, we uh, decided that it would be good to have somebody that would address uh, what is a neglected area of poker these days with all of the no-limit craze still going on. We're going to have an author of a book and a regular column on low-limit hold'em. His name is is Richard Burke. He's written the book called Flop, and he writes a column regularly for Poker Player Newspaper. I think you'll enjoy listening to him talk a little bit about low-limit hold'em. And then we're going to have the proprietor of a new poker room up in New Hampshire talking about what he has to offer. Very interesting guest, a guy named Dan Brown, not to be confused with the famous author. We're going to have them, and then we'll have my favorite segment, which is the mailbag. So stay tuned. Right after a commercial break, we'll be back. Great moments in history. In 481 BC, the defeat of the Spartans at the Battle of Thermopylae. As long as Xerxes doesn't find the secret path to the hot gates, where is it, boy? Xerxes has found the secret goat path through the hot gates. Ah, oh, shit! In June 2008, House of Cards began podcasting. Go to HouseOfCardsRadio.com and click on the podcast button for all recent show downloads. Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams, professional poker player, author, and host of House of Cards. You can all, wherever you're listening to our show, we're now blanketing the United States. You can send in your questions or comments about the show to info at houseofcardsradio.com. And you can also get our tweets on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash HOC radio. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash HOC Radio. Hey, you serious about poker? Then winning 7-Card Stud by Ashley Adams is a must-have for stud players of all levels. In winning 7-Card Stud, the World Series of Poker Veteran takes you through a series of lessons and strategies designed to make you a better player in all phases of your game. The techniques of betting, what cards to play, how to read the other players, the art of bluffing, 
You'll learn to master them all. Winning 7-Card Stud by professional poker player Ashley Adams. Available at Amazon.com. Poker players, listen up. Your right to play poker continues to come under attack. But with over 1 million members, the Poker Players Alliance is dedicated to protecting your right to play this great American pastime. Even if you've never played a hand of online poker, the Poker Players Alliance is fighting for you. No matter where you choose to play, the PPA is working hard to defend you, your rights, and the game of poker. The PPA is making great strides, but we still need your help. We have sent a clear message to lawmakers and others committed to prohibiting your right to play poker. We are organized and we vote. Add your voice to our cause and join the Poker Players Alliance today. Visit www.joinppa.org and become part of the fight to save poker. It only takes a few minutes to make a difference. The Poker Players Alliance, fighting to protect your freedom to play the game we love. It sounds complicated, but it's really fairly simple. A house of cards rife with corruption, greed, and negligence. Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. And as promised, we are very fortunate to have on the air a guest who has written what I think is an excellent little book, and I say little just to describe its physical size, not the content therein, but an excellent book on Hold'em called Flop. His name is Richard Burke, and he's with us now. Richard, are you there? Uh, Yes, indeed. Hello. Terrific. Uh, Tell our listeners where you are, and tell us a little bit about how you came to write the book called Flop. Right now, and we're speaking from Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, and tomorrow, as a matter of fact, we're going to drive to Las Vegas, where we have a new house that we're moving into. Uh, we we started writing this book before the moneymaker effect in 2001, and the, the impetus was because I saw so many players playing so poorly that it seemed that there would be a, a niche for a beginner and for intermediates from a different perspective, this perspective of a winning low-limit player. So that's why we, we wrote the book. Now, you, you're referring a couple of times to we. Um, is that the plural of majesty, or do you have a collaborator, or who are you referring <laughs> no, to? I, no, that, no, that's just the editorial we are. I also write a column for poker um, uh, player newspaper and just finish that column for the next issue. And we use the uh, editorial we. I see. Well, we just so our listeners know, you and I are under a common banner. We both work for uh, Stan Sudikoff as, as writers for Poker Player Newspaper. Um, how long have you been writing for them? It's about four years now. Huh. Well, I always find it interesting to trace the origins of writers' uh, interest in poker. How is it that you came to be playing poker in the first place, and how is it that you came to write about it in uh, magazine style or newspaper style? A couple of things. I have, uh, years ago, and I mean 50 years ago, I was a newsboy in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 
through uh, the Tulsa World in the morning and the Tulsa Tribune in the evening. And having a little extra money and uh, as a teenager, card playing was interesting, and so we had a little poker group among the newsboys. And I have had an interest in poker ever since, so that's been half a century. And how did you come to write a column? Did you write the book first, and then somebody said, hey, nice book, why don't you write a column for us? Or did you write a column and then kind of say, I better finish that book so I'll have uh, some expertise to to promote? How did that come about? To have some material. Well, no. I saw that uh, poker player... Actually, what I started to do is I submitted articles to Card Player magazine, and they accepted the articles, but they never published them. So I pulled those articles and went over to see Stan Slubikoff, a new Stan from years ago when he was the publisher of Gambling Times right. magazine. I don't know if you remember that magazine. Well, I know about it, sure. It, it, I thought it was an excellent magazine. I just I look forward to reading it every month. So when I saw that Stan was publishing Poker Player newspaper, I said, well, I'll go see Stan, and, and perhaps he'd like to hire a, another writer. And he did, and, and that's we've been writing ever since. Right, so if you, you're in Albuquerque, then let me see. Do you play at Sandia and Isleta, or do you play at 66, or do you play up at uh, Santa Ana? Or where do you, where's your principal place of playing? Principal, the, the, the card room with the most action, the poker room with the most action is at Sandia. Uh, Route 66 has a card room. I've never been in it. Isleta has a small card room. Generally, the action is at Sandia, so I'm, I'm there most of the time. What can you tell uh, our listeners who may be interested in going to the area about the newest room up at uh, Buffalo Thunder? Do you know about that at all? Oh, I've heard about it. I understand it's very nice. I haven't been up that way lately, so I cannot personally verify that it's great. And I've heard very good things about it. Well, i got to ask you a couple other things about your book, which I, I did enjoy, just so that our, le- read- our, our listeners are clear. The book is useful, at least a little bit, for No Limit, but it's principally about limit hold'em, about the relatively low-limit games that you'll find, for example, in New Mexico or in many of the rooms in Arizona or now even increasingly in Oklahoma. Have you ever been back to your home state of Oklahoma to see what's been going on in that poker world? I've been keeping up, but I haven't been back or visited a casino there. Ah. I've visited the ones in uh, Biloxi, and in New Orleans, but haven't been back to the casinos in... Oh, I've also been to Tunica, but I haven't been to the ones in, in Oklahoma. I see. Well, the scene there is amazing. I mean, they have, uh, I think, about 18 rooms now, uh, very large ones and then tiny ones on these reservations all over the state. But back to your book. You use some interesting phrases, I find, and I'm wondering where they came from. Um, because you know, I've read a lot of poker books, and as I'm sure you have, and you refer to, first of all, the very title of the book, Flop. And I, I saw in an introductory paragraph that in some poker world that I'm not familiar with, that's a common name for the game of low-limit hold'em? Uh, that's my understanding. That's, how, that's why I got the name. I heard it was years ago. It was uh, a, a term used by people that said, let's go play some flop. Where is that? Where did you hear that? I heard that actually in Las Vegas. Really? Wow. Because to me, the history of the language of poker is fascinating. I have never heard it referred to until I read your book. Similarly, you have some other interesting expressions. You refer to ace honor and for like ace king or ace queen. And I've always heard those cards referred to as, well, sometimes among bridge players as court cards or paint but I've never heard him called honor. I guess honors would be if your honors, your turn to go. But where did that come from? Well, the honor cards are when you play bridge. It comes from bridge. It's ace through ten. When you have a uh, rubber bridge, when you have four out of the five honor cards, you get a bonus in terms of points. I see. Well, that's interesting. And then I also saw you refer to, instead of referring to the board... Uh, the you know the common cards in Hold'em, you refer to it as a tableau. Yeah, tableau, and that's just a fancy way of saying the board or the community cards. And tableau in French is is really it means a, a living picture. 
Huh. Well, you know, I learn something every time I read a book, and I definitely learned a few things here. Tell our listeners a little bit about some of the things that are contained in the book, some of the the chapters. I notice you have, uh, I read your chapter today on salience and uh, the rule of eight. Do you want to explain that for our listeners? The rule of eight is, is uh, yeah, salience, of course, are the things that leap out at you, the things that you immediately notice. One of the things that we talked about in the book, or I wrote in the book, is the different playing styles. The difference between loose and tight, between aggressive and passive. And if you put those on coordinates, you can find numerous styles. And we think we can pigeonholes, pigeonhole most any player into, the, into a graphic of, of, of his or her loose, uh, tight, passive-aggressive tendencies. Someone who plays every hand and always raises would be very loose and very aggressive. You would call him, in fact, a maniac. So we were able to describe many of the styles that you see in the poker literature by by graphing them on a on a a, a, a grid. A it looks like a little yeah. bit like a yeah. go board. If anybody yeah. here plays go, it looks like that. Yeah, Cartesian coordinates really is what it is. Right. Okay. So that's that. Now the rule of eight has to do with chasing, and most winning players chase. Most losing players chase. The difference between winning and losing is whether or not you have the right pot odds. And what we found when we did the book was, and again, I'm using the editorial we, <laughs> uh, I found that the equation of the number of opponents and the number of outs seemed to sum to eight most of the time. So that's from that uh, I deduced that we had a rule of eight to guide players into whether or not to continue to chase that elusive straight or two pairs or a flush. So give an example of how you would use that calculation to actually help you in the playing of a hand. Okay, it's easy enough. What we usually have is a, is a raise before the flop and then uh, a bet after the flop, and you count your outs. I have a whole chapter on counting outs. And... You count your outs and you count your opponents. If the if the number of outs that you have equals and plus the number of opponents that you have is greater than or equal to eight, go ahead and continue. If the, if it isn't, then you stop. And that way, you save money when you don't have the right cards odds, and you make money when you do have the right cards odds. So, if you had, let's say, you figured out that you were going to need uh, trips uh, to to win the hand. Which That's, sometimes yeah. not a safe bet because people can always draw out straights and flushes. But let's just say you figured that you had two outs. There were two cards right. to make your trips. Right. Um, that hand, the way that you're figuring things out, you would need to have six opponents. Uh, but that doesn't take into consideration, or does it take into consideration, the size of the pot when you are making that calculation, which I think would be key. No, it does, because those opponents will have all put in that the bet's required to make the pot. Well, my my point is, though, for example, if it's raised right in front of me, the bet that I am facing is not a single bet but a double bet, and if people have already called a raise, that's a different situation from if they haven't yet called a raise. What we find, and what I find, and many other people have observed this, so that we use probably correct here, is that in low-limit hold'em, when people have already put in one bet, that they will almost always call a raise. Correct. So, so if everybody has, if, if, if the pot has been called around and there's another raise, so it's one more bet, people will tend to call that. But that's very different from, for example, the big blind is, uh, if you're playing 4-8, the big blind is 4. If somebody then raises to 8 and it's up to you, that's a very different situation from if it's been called around and you're on the button and it's just four to you, right? Right. Calling two bets, it's called, Ashley, I'm sure you know, calling two bets cold right. is the situation that you described. Right. And, and absolutely, in that situation, you can't count on the people behind you calling. 
so you, you must fold. I see. So the rule of eight applies typically after the flop? After the flop. Okay. Before the turn. And when you can count, if you know that someone behind you is a loose player and will call two bets cold, you can count him. I see. If you know the players behind you are pretty tight and rarely call two bets cold, then you don't have you don't have your eight, you fold. I see. I also noticed uh, in your book that you have a chapter where you don't just describe individual players, but you also use the same um, method of charting the types of games that you're in on two axes, one being loose, the other being aggressive, and uh, you come up with lots of different types of games so that you can change your play based on the type of game you're in, whether it's Rocky or et cetera. Right. And, and yes, it's exactly correct. I thought that was very helpful. Um, do you find that you are a better player because you have written a book? Do you find that people recognize you and play tougher against you? How has this changed you as a player, having written a book and being a, a regular uh, writer for a well-read poker magazine. At least we hope it's well-read. Well, it's it's pretty well-read. Forty thousand copies worldwide. So it's it's well-read. Poker Player newspaper is puts out forty thousand copies distributed to card rooms in the United States and Europe mostly. Uh, writing a book is painful. It takes a year. It took me a year anyway, and it helps you think through. All those situations that perhaps you've been react to which you've been reacting automatically. So I think it makes you a better player. I recommend it. I recommend to everybody go ahead, try it, write a book, see how well how well you do. <laughs> well, I got two final questions for you, and I've enjoyed talking to you, Rich. First question is for people that are listening that say, "Hey, you know, I, in fact, by the way, I've thought of somebody I'm going to I'm going to give this book to because I know he would uh, benefit from it." But if somebody wants to buy a copy of the book, what do they do? Is it available online? Are there bookstores around that they can pick it up at? What do they do? Uh, Amazon.com okay. is one source for the book, Flop, by Richard G. Burke. And also, you can buy it from me directly on um, my website, which is cocapellipress.com. You want to spell that? We'll put it on our website, cocapellipress.com. Coco, what's, uh, if you, there it's on the flyleaf of the book as to how to spell Cocopelli. Cocopelli is a, is a, a, a minor deity, well, it's a deity, let's say, of the southwest, of the ancient southwest Indians, and has evolved over the prehist, from prehistoric times into a god of humor and pregnancy, <laughs> which I thought was pretty interesting. I, I guess there's a lot of humor in pregnancy. <laughs> people people see this figure all over the place. It's the uh, hunchback uh, flute player. Hunchback flute player, that's correct. And for our listeners, it's K-O-K-O-P-E-L-L-I. K-O-K-O-P-E-L-L-I. We'll put it on our website. And the, the second question is, actually, it's many more than two that we're up to, but the last two questions, the second of the last two questions is, uh, you've written a successful book on low-limit hold'em. Do you play, and have you thought about writing a book on low-limit, no-limit hold'em? Um, I have thought about it, and I have decided against it because the field is so crowded. And my name isn't particularly well-known, except in poker circles. It's not a book that you would buy at Barnes & Noble. It's a a book that's for people who enjoy poker and play at low limits, and there are many of us. So, no, I'm not planning on writing a book. I had toyed with a book, but I think at this time with them. The number of poker books is just enormous. Yes, it is. And so it's so crowded that it's not worth my time. Fair enough. Well, Richard, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I'm looking forward to more articles and uh, maybe meeting up with you one of these days. You're moving to Las Vegas, did you say? Yes. Well, I'm going to be in Las Vegas uh, in a few weeks, and... uh, I'll be, I'm not sure where I'm staying yet, but I'm going for a few days to meet some friends out there, and then I'll be back for the World Series of Poker, and maybe we'll have to get together. Well, that sounds, sounds great. That's great. Good. Well, nice chatting with you. That was Richard Burke of Flop. We're going to have a link to uh, Flop on our website. We're going to take a commercial break right now. We'll be back with our next guest in just a short time.
Poker players, listen up. Your right to play poker continues to come under attack. But with over 1 million members, the Poker Players Alliance is dedicated to protecting your right to play this great American pastime. Even if you've never played a hand of online poker, the Poker Players Alliance is fighting for you. No matter where you choose to play, the PPA is working hard to defend you, your rights, and the game of poker. The PPA is making great strides, but we still need your help. We have sent a clear message to lawmakers and others committed to prohibiting your right to play poker. We are organized and we vote. Add your voice to our cause and join the Poker Players Alliance today. Visit www.joinppa.org and become part of the fight to save poker. It only takes a few minutes to make a difference. The Poker Players Alliance, fighting to protect your freedom to play the game we love. Hey, you serious about poker? Then winning 7-card stud by Ashley Adams is a must-have for stud players of all levels. In winning 7-card stud, the World Series of Poker Veteran takes you through a series of lessons and strategies designed to make you a better player in all phases of your game. The techniques of betting, the cards to play, how to read the other players, the art of bluffing, you'll learn to master them all. Winning 7-card stud by professional poker player Ashley Adams. Available at Amazon.com. Great Moments in History In 1750, while flying a kite with his child, Benjamin Franklin discovered the properties of electricity. That last bolt of lightning smelled like... Yes, the lightning. In June 2008, House of Cards began podcasting. Go to houseofcardsradio.com and click on the podcast button for all recent show downloads. Do you hate to go to funerals? Tired of the awkward and depressing moments just standing around? Well, at Stiffy and Son Funeral Home, we want to remind you that the first three letters in funeral are F-U-N FUN! We have plenty of entertainment for the kids, including pinball and arcade games, an open bar, live DJ. Plus, we beefed up the old depressing methods of burial with what else? Hamburgers and hot dogs! Roast a complimentary dog over Uncle Billy's cremation fire. Make sure you bring your swimsuit Uncle Jerry's burial at sea in the area's largest wave pool! Or try one of our theme funerals, our most popular and special this week, Circus Send-Off. Complete with clowns and jugglers, shoot Grandpa off to his final resting place in our giant cannon. Spend a tropical evening with our luau theme, including hula dancers, a roast pig, and lathes for everyone. You can also try our brand new cryogenic ski package. Your loved one may be on ice, but make sure you bundle up as you hit the slopes. What a better way to say a final farewell. At Stiffy and Son Funeral Home, we try to make death the memory of a lifetime. Check-raising stupid tourists and picking huge pots off them. Yeah? Stacks and towers of checks I can't even see over. Playing all night, high limit, hold them into Taj, where the sand turns to gold. Hey, let's go. Don't tease me. Let's play some cards. This is House of Cards Radio with Ashley Adams. They're playing poker! Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. And as promised, we are joined by Dan Brown. Dan is the proprietor of Granite State Poker and runs, I guess, the newest poker room in New Hampshire, right near the Massachusetts border in Placetow. Dan, are you there? Yes, Ashley. Tell us about your new room. If it is, I mean, I think of it as new. Tell us all about it. Yes, it is the newest room up in uh, Placetow, New Hampshire, located on Route 125 about four miles in the right over the mass line, uh, right across from the corner pocket in the Rockingham Athletic Center. It was formerly Sawyer's Function Hall, and we seat about 300 people in the facility. We have 24 poker tables and six um, uh, different table games, including roulette, blackjack, and uh, letter right. Okay, well... Our listeners are poker players. Tell us about, first of all, what are the hours? When do you open? Because I know that in New Hampshire, uh, unlike uh, 
some of the huge rooms in Connecticut or Las Vegas, it's not a 24-7 operation. It's a lot of hours, but what are they? Here in Plastow, we're open five days a week. It's uh, Wednesday, we're open 4 to 12, Thursday, 4 to 12, uh, Friday, uh, 12 to 1, and Saturday, Sunday, uh, 12 to 12. Okay, and what do you spread typically? I don't mean what does your license say, and a lot of people say, well, we'll spread whatever our clientele wants to play, but what do you typically have going? Well, we have a good event on Wednesday nights. We have a team event, the $50 buy-in, uh, five-person teams, and we usually have about eight tables for that event. And it's uh, the winner of the five, uh, they all split the prize pool at about, you know, the average take is about 2000 so about 400 per person. Our average buy-in is about $75. We, because it's a newer room, we're recreating a newer clientele of poker players and trying to have somewhere between 50 and $100 buy-ins. Okay, and uh, you have other tournaments on other nights? You don't just have team tournaments, although the, the idea of a team tournament is actually very intriguing to me. Um, as it, I guess if you said you get eight tables, it's pretty much caught on. How does it work? Well, the team tournament, they all everyone comes in, and if, if we were playing it, you and I actually would have three other members of our team, kind of like a golf concept. I got the idea from when you play golf with a foursome or you're shooting a pool league, that type of thing, you, you rely on your partners. And then once you get knocked out, you cheer on your other four partners, and you all start out at different tables. And by process of elimination, we've only had one time at the final table where there are two teammates at the final table. So for the integrity of the game, we make sure there's no collusion and things like that. And it's labeled. So everyone has Team 3, Team 4, etc. right on their shirts. I see. So the idea is that if you're five of you on a team, the way it works is you just all share in whatever the winnings are of any of the team members are shared equally by all five members. Is that the way it works? That's correct. And we also are very specific that the one team of five can only win one prize. In other words, five members will win first place, a different five members will win second place. So there's no way that you can win both first and second place. First prize is 75% of the pool. And the second prize is 25% of the prize pool. So you just pay two prizes? Two prizes, but you know what? There's ten winners. Ten guys go out. They're pretty happy. And you know what's very interesting? It's uh, very, very co-ed. We, we almost have uh, half our clientele is, is female. They come huh. in and, they, and they, they enjoy it. That's very interesting. I Just so everyone knows, I have been up to your room in Plastow. Is it pronounced Plastow or Plastow? Plastow, you know, it's just like... Um, you know, Metfit or Meffa, you know, it depends on how you say it. <laughs> I've been up there, and I, in fact, came intrigued by the team event, but I got there, like, right when your room opened, and the right. event was later in the evening, and I, by the three hours, I was thinking I had a ride home, and I decided to leave before the team event. It looked like a lot of fun. Um, and I played in the cash game there. So what cash games do you have? We're actually trying to expand. We offer everything, and it's... It's based on the pulse of the room, as I call it. You know, we'll do anything from seven-card stud on demand uh, to uh, obviously the limits in New Hampshire are $4. So some nights we might get a strong 4-4, 4-4 Texas Hold'em tournament going, or the normal 1-2 uh, is uh, pretty common, or a 2-4 Texas Hold'em. Okay, so you, when I was there, you had uh, three 2-4 games going, I believe, and Correct. that was before the tournament. And I did notice that there were a lot of female players, which was surprising. And I would say um, it was a very comfortable place to play. You had a, a a bar and food right there in the room. And of course, you're—I mean, you had the—it was a catering business. So I don't know if you kept on any of the people that did the catering, but the food was good and the prices were reasonable. It's definitely more convenient to drive um, for those of us that live. In Boston or north of Boston, it's more convenient than driving to either of the two casinos down in Connecticut. Obviously, those casinos have other things, other attributes that may make players want to go down there occasionally. But you're so close. I have a buddy uh, who's a teacher, and uh, he much prefers going up to New Hampshire because it's so much more convenient. Tell us about the other tournaments that you have throughout the week. Well, on Thursday night, we we created a uh, uh, $75 uh, with a reasonable stack, it's seven thousand dollars, and then we do a fifteen-minute blind, so it kicks into a little bit of the turbo on Thursday night, and that, and that seems to be filling up and getting pretty popular. One of our best tournaments that we designed uh, through pooling players 
was Saturdays at 1 o'clock, we do what's called a mini mega. So mini <laughs> buy-in of $50. Yeah. Mega stack at 15,000 chips. Wow. And 25-minute blinds. And wow. that's something that's something that we, we you know, had six tables the first week. We had eight tables last week. And we're anticipating, to me, it's the 99-cent double cheeseburger where, you know what, come on in. <laughs> this is something. And they're getting a lot, lot more exposure and a lot more playing time because of the big stack. So the, the guys that, you know, are waiting and are patient, they're going to learn and, and study the tables. And the other guys that, uh, you know, uh, are going to have more of an opportunity to see better play at the table and really try to uh, improve the game. Absolutely. So typically a tournament like that starts at 1 o'clock. I know in the old structures that there were up there, t- tournaments would last two, three, maybe four hours in you know the typical uh, relatively fast-paced tournament. How long does this one last? That could last up to eight hours. That could ah. last up to eight hours. And it's all about you know the strategy of the play and things like that. Because the chips are really triple the stack that they're normally. Normally they're getting three to 5,000. They're going to get 15,000. So there's a lot of playing and a lot of opportunity to make some moves and also be caught in making some moves as well. Well, that's actually a very intriguing possibility. And it's a Saturday afternoon, so you could, uh, if you're living in the Boston area or in New Hampshire, you could have your morning at home and do your chores for your spouse or your significant others and and uh, maybe even have an early lunch and then just shoot up, play in the tournament, and get home in a reasonable hour before it's uh, 10 o'clock, even if you won the tournament. That sounds like a great deal. Right, and then for the, for the buy-in, you know, it was $50, there's no rebuys, you you play it out and again the the winner, um, I think last week was like twelve hundred dollars. So for fifty dollars buying, you can't beat that. Um, let me just ask. This is something that other shows that promote poker may not talk about, but we really we talk about it all here. What is the rake? I know that it's a charity room. I know that a piece of the action has to go to a charity. What is the rake that comes out of the price uh, out of the prize pool? Uh, that does not get put in. How much is that? What percentage? The, it, it is uh, actually it's pretty strict on the laws, and it, it is uh, twenty to twenty-five percent will be the rake. The norm is twenty, and it cannot go. Uh, years ago, I used to do a ten percent rake, so it'd be ninety percent payout. By law, we have to rake a minimum of uh, twenty, and that that's the average. 20, Still, 20 that's eighty percent so payout, which is competitive. That's very competitive. I mean, I, when I think about the tournaments that I've run myself in Massachusetts for charities, typically we rake 50%. You know, you'll right. have uh, $100 people will buy in, half goes to the charity and the people that run the event, and half goes into the prize pool, and people don't complain. To give 80% back is actually considering that a lot of that money has to go to a charity. That's right. actually pretty generous. Well, out of the 20% rake, the charities guarantee 35%. And that and that's where the, you know the charity encourages uh, you know when the sit and go that's a, a total of all the action. So the charity gets thirty five percent of the total rake on the day. Well, that's terrific. Now, how about the cash games? Uh, are they ten percent maximum of five or maximum of four? What are they? Yeah, it, it's usually a maximum of five. You know what happens the four the four four games the, the pots can get up there, uh, and and that's very conservative. And it's based on the players. You want to make sure that there's a full table. Before you start taking a rake, etc. Right, you because have less the, the players of... now are, are more educated on that. <laughs> right, in the old days, uh, you could probably rake as much as you wanted, and nobody even paid attention. Right, well, they said you, could, you, can, you can't beat the rake, I guess. Right, that's good. Um, what else about your? I'm just thinking. You mentioned the team tournament. We should put together a house of cards team. I'll just say to our listeners, if you're interested in going up sometime on a Wednesday, I would be happy to plan a time to go up there. Why don't people send us a note at info at houseofcardsradio.com info at houseofcardsradio.com We'll put up an icon if anybody wants to go and have a House of Cards team. Um, We'll put it on our Facebook page. I may even convince Doug to tweet. I think that's the proper word to to put on our Twitter site. Um, I mean, that would be great to go up there as a team. It would be really good. And, And that was the concept originally we wanted to, because we're on Route 125 in Plastow, we wanted to get different teams, for example, Monaghan Lumber, uh, the pool hall across the street, and, and members of the community come in with teams and give them some exposure to the room. And we haven't had one team yet win two weeks in a row. You know, So there's always been different winners. Which is, And at the end of the night, you see it brings back some excitement to the room because you'll see 
30 or 40 people watching the final table because they have a, a horse in the race, so to speak. Sure. They, they have someone on their team that's still in. Uh, we had two, two ladies that live in Medford had to leave early, and they left their name and number for the team members to get paid the next day. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you also know? have makeup teams so that if somebody comes up solo or with a friend, right. you'll put them on a team. Right, like they'll a... be walk-ins, exactly. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. You know, Dan, let me ask you, just as long as I got you on the air, what's your background in running poker? I mean, you're now running this great poker room in Plastow. Um, well, what's my your background? Back, my, my background is... Uh, one of the founders, both in Mass and New Hampshire, for charitable gaming. I have done events uh, at Suffolk Downs, Gillette Stadium, in Mass. Uh, and then we also used to run, run a, the huge room up at Rockingham Racetrack. So we have, I have a lot of experience and you know, have two LLCs, one in Mass, Bay State Poker, and Granite State Poker. And we're now in Plastow. We're uh, rebuilding the wheel, so to speak, and having some fun with it. And uh, we also have a big, big... Plus, I've been a police officer for 22 years. Ah. I've, I've done charities uh, down in Boston and Florian Hall, et cetera, et cetera. One of my big events at the end of this month, I'm running a police versus fire event. And I got the idea from Boston versus New York, uh-huh. et cetera. <laughs> so I'm not sure. Did you, were you aware of that? No, I don't know anything about it. This is your shot, man. We got thousands and thousands of listeners all over New England, and we have a website. So let us know. What is this event? This police rest fire event is pretty unique. It's a hundred dollar buy in, and it's going to put my room at capacity. It's going to be one hundred twenty police officers. What date? Uh, it's going to be the Saturday, the twenty eighth, February twenty eighth. Okay. It's also on the website at GrandStatePoker dot com. You'll you'll see it right away. There's flyers. There's a lot. It's actually for Salem Police, Salem New Hampshire Police Benevolent Society is the charity of the day. So what's the time and what's the place? Uh, right here in Plastow, Grand State Poker. 180 Plastow Road. Oh, it's at Plast. Oh, you're running a charity tournament there that's in addition to your regular tournaments that you run. This is a special one you're running in your room at what time on Saturday the 28th? No, Sunday the 28th. Sunday the 28th. We did it on a Sunday, so figured that after the Super Bowl, the guys would uh, have a little downtime. The wives might let them out. (laughs) And uh, they they could come out. We're going to check in at 1 o'clock. We're going to play at 2 o'clock. And we have a permit that night till 1 a.m., so we're going to have a winner that night. We're going to put the police on one side of the room, 120 of them. The best way to do it is pre-register your spots at grandestatepoker.com. So, for example, if Methuen police are coming up, they want to pre-register five guys. If Derry, New Hampshire, whatever the PD or fire that's coming up, they should pre-register. There's going to be 120 on one side of the room and 120 on the other side of the room. They are all going to start with the same chips, which is 10,000 in chips. And they're going to battle amongst themselves until the top five of each group. Uh-huh. Then they're going to go to a final table. The final table is going to consist of the top five of police, the top five of fire. The winner of that is uh, guaranteed a seat at the World Series of Poker in Las Vegas. Whoa! So that's a $10,000 seat. They can take the cash if they choose. But I, from my past experience, I've sent uh, nine different players, and two of which were females, to Vegas in the past. The people that win these events really, really uh, believe that you know the, the luck is like the Chris Moneymaker story, and they come in and <laughs> and they're gonna and they're gonna go to Vegas, and they think they can conquer the world, and it's a life changing experience. So they they have a shot now, if they choose to, they can go to the World Series of Poker, which Grand Estate Poker is registered as a third party uh, registrar or whatever. We we've worked with them before. So we just wire the money down there, and they're, they're treated very, very well down there. Now, do you have to be an actual uniformed officer of the police or in the fire, or can you be an, like an honorary member of their team and play on the team but not be a uniformed uh, police officer or firefighter? How I covered that and uh, I looked into it is I just said proper ID required. So, so for example, okay. if someone does come in, you know, and they have a badge or a police ID. That you know, we're not going to dispute it. And from being a police officer myself for 22 years, working in public safety and things like that, if someone says that's who they are, that is who they are. Okay, so. but you I mean you have to be a, a member of a police force. You can't just be a, right. a friend right. that plays on the team like a ringer. I understand. Okay. Yeah, we can't bring in a ringer like golf. Exactly. Right. Okay. The two handicap. But we're doing it to get them out. Get the because these are the guys. Uh, that do everything for everybody else. So we're going to let them have the spotlight for the day and have some fun. 
and uh, ultimately it's going to one of their own anyway for the charity of the day. And uh, I get a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz on my website about it too. So that's pretty great. Interesting. Well, uh, Dan, I'm eager to try to put together a House of Cards team to come up there. And again, I encourage any listeners that are within earshot, and even those that are are listening to us on the internet who would like to join us, send me an email, and we'll pick a Wednesday. I'll head up the team, and we'll go up and we'll have a wonderful time. Uh, that's info at houseofcardsradio.com. Dan, you've been a wonderful guest. If if you have any special events you want to promote, feel free to call them or email us, and uh, we'll either put you back on or feature it on our website. Very good, Ashley. Thank you very much. All right, Dan. Have a good night. Look forward to seeing you again. I look forward to seeing you. That was Dan Brown, Granite State Poker. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back with the House of Cards mailbag. Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. I just wanted to uh, mention something, that if any of you have any poker questions that you would like to ask, we are always interested in your questions and comments about the show, about the guests, strategy questions. They could be practical questions about where and how to find the game. Send your questions to info at houseofcardsradio.com. And you can also get our tweets on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash HOC radio. We're very interested in them. And of course, if they're particularly interesting, we'll put them on the air and answer them here in our segment of mailbag. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash HOC radio. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash HOC Radio. Poker players, listen up. Your right to play poker continues to come under attack. But with over 1 million members, the Poker Players Alliance is dedicated to protecting your right to play this great American pastime. Even if you've never played a hand of online poker, the Poker Players Alliance is fighting for you. No matter where you choose to play, the PPA is working hard to defend you, your rights, and the game of poker. The PPA is making great strides, but we still need your help. We have sent a clear message to lawmakers and others committed to prohibiting your right to play poker. We are organized, and we vote. Add your voice to our cause and join the Poker Players Alliance today. Visit www.joinppa.org and become part of the fight to save poker. It only takes a few minutes to make a difference. The Poker Players Alliance, fighting to protect your freedom to play the game we love. Hey, you serious about poker? Then winning 7-card stud by Ashley Adams is a must-have for stud players of all levels. In winning 7-card stud, the World Series of Poker Veteran takes you through a series of lessons and strategies designed to make you a better player in all phases of your game. The techniques of betting... What cards to play, how to read the other players, the art of bluffing. You'll learn to master them all. Winning 7-Card Stud by professional poker player Ashley Adams. Available at Amazon.com. Great Moments in History In July 1937, Amelia Earhart was informed by her navigator, Fred Noonan, that they were off course over the Pacific Ocean. You're wrong! You just sit here telling me that I'm not in heaven. Can I hold the f*** up? No. Can I hold the f*** up? No. That is so not cool. In June 2008, House of Cards began podcasting. Go to houseofcardsradio.com and click on the podcast button for all recent show downloads. Previously on House of Cards, they were very rude, and um, they kicked me out. Really? And they kicked me out of <laughs> About a minute and a half later, two very large guys came up behind me as I was seated, and they said, Sir, you'll have to come with us. You've been asked to leave. House of Cards has secretly obtained the audio from this Las Vegas poker room. Here's the poker room manager's instructions to his staff upon seeing Ashley. I see you. I see you. You hit that in the face really f***ing hard. Sorry, man. <laughs> House of Cards, spreading love wherever we go.
Very nice intro. Thank you, Doug. Uh, thank you, Dave. Uh, this is Ashley Adams. Welcome back to House of Cards. And this is my favorite segment, not to be disrespectful of the other segments that I enjoy, but I love the mailbag. Dave always gets interesting questions and springs them on me unaware. So go to it, brother. Our uh, first question actually comes from our Facebook page. Don't ask me what the address is or anything like that. Just go to HouseOfCardsRadio.com. And click on Facebook, and you can post right. questions there, too. It's cool. I hope you get some more pictures up there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll put some more pictures. I think we uh, put the ones when you were at the uh, World Series. Okay. I think uh, my friend Andre Joseph has one uh, standing next to me, smiling. Both of us are smiling, which is uh, was not indicative of my mood through was most it, of that trip. Was that trip. before you played? Or? That was before. <laughs> All right, well, what's up? Michael via Facebook wants to know, what do you feel the difference is between those players who play to make their living at poker as a boring job versus those who play because of the thrill of it? Well, if you're a player who wants to make a living at it, you want to have people in the game who are there for the thrill of it. And so interestingly... If you are really serious about making money at poker, you are best to affect the attitude at the table of not caring at all so that you won't scare away those who are there to have fun, which is, to me, an ironic lesson that more people should learn because too many players who think they're going to earn their living at it. They're not. They're usually not really skilled. They don't have the disposition, but they think that they're really going to become professional poker players. Um feel the need to behave in a way that is antithetical to what they really want to do. They don't behave in a friendly, smiling, I'm just here to have fun, let's have a good time way. (laughs) They like to berate their opponents, insult them, and frankly, if I were an amateur kind of confused about the game and thinking I'm just going to have fun, like uh, shooting crap or playing blackjack, and somebody behaved in the way that a lot of these quote-unquote skilled players behave, I'd say, screw you guys. I'm out of here. I'll go do something that's fun. So, the really, and you can read any of the books by Mike Caro or similarly gifted writers about poker. They'll tell you the same thing. Best is to have a happy-go-lucky, I'm having a good time attitude, and not to let people in on the fact that you're really there just to make money. The guys who play poker for a living, do you see that they bet? more aggressively than the players who are just in it for the thrill of it? Or uh, or do you see, you well, can't really sure. tell? Well, sure. I mean, well, I can tell if I if there's a player who knows what he's doing uh, and does it well, or she knows what she's doing and does it well. Uh, generally speaking, at a typical one-two no-limit game, you don't have people that are full-time professionals. You may have people that are semi-professionals making some of their living. But when you move up, it tends to be... Uh, Players that are more selective and more aggressive, uh, that are paying attention as opposed to being distracted. I've written a lot of articles on how to tell if a table is good. It's a table that doesn't have the type of player that is that looks like they are very serious about the game. But in fact, some of the very best players blend in so well that the typical player would not recognize them as the pro. They would think that some of the more somber, serious, sunglassed, uh, behatted, earphoned guys were the pros, while in fact they're the wannabes, and they don't really have what it takes to be a pro, which generally is an affect that attracts people to the game. So it's a, it's a very interesting question, because uh, sometimes appearances are deceptive. So do you think a guy like Phil Helmuth, is he out of the normal for a professional poker player? I mean, he seems to be acting out more at the table. Well, there's a whole separate category. Now, if, if you didn't know he was Phil Helmuth, would you think he was a professional poker player? Well, I don't know, because I do know he's Phil Helmuth. So oh, okay. if, you mean, if you, somebody looked different with a different name but behaved the way he did, I would assume that they were not a pro uh, because of the tantrums and the lack of emotional control. But I would be wrong, because his play is clearly superior to that of 99.9% of the people who play. Um And I was just going to say that there's a separate category of professional. There's the cash game professional that is anonymous and makes his money by attracting people. And then there is the name pro, the tournament pro, who is very clearly known and identified because he's a celebrity. 
And that's a whole separate category because a celebrity poker player, um, somebody who's seen on TV regularly, can make money in other ways, can make money because people uh, are going to be intimidated by his betting or will want to stick around in the game because he's a celebrity. He doesn't have to be seductive with his style of play or his affect because he, as a celebrity... People want to play just like if Mickey Mantle, when he was alive, or better yet, if Willie Mays is playing. If it turns out that Willie Mays is a great professional player, everybody's going to want to play with him anyway because it's Willie Mays, right? <laughs> or I'm dating myself, a Derek Jeter. Um, similarly, even if it is a professional, if it's Phil Hellmuth or any of a number of you know the top 500 televised professionals. I'm going to want to play in his game because it's cool to be playing with him, even if I'm uh, unloading my bankroll into his pocket. You said something really interesting. Can someone consistently win at poker and still remain anonymous? How do you, how do you walk? I guess it depends. How do you balance that? I guess it depends on how you define anonymous. But there are there are professionals certainly who play regularly who people don't know their names unless they're playing in their game regularly. I mean, if I if um, Let's say I'm a serious big-time professional player, and I'm playing at the Commerce. Maybe the regulars know me as a winning player, but 90% of the people that might sit down in my game wouldn't know me because I'm not on television. I don't sign autographs. I haven't written any books, and I don't have a face that's recognizable. So, yes, most professionals, I would say, most cash game professionals are not celebrities, are not well-known. They don't play in the big tournaments on television, so who's going to know who they are? Well, let's stick with Facebook, because I don't think we have uh, too much more <laughs> okay, questions. Okay, what else? Here's, here's Marie from Facebook page. What do you do to alleviate stress or boredom involved in sitting at the poker table for too long? Uh-uh. Anything you can suggest to avoid a bad case of sitting-itis? Okay, that's a very good question, and uh, it shows that she's aware of one of the classic weaknesses that a lot of regular players have. They tend to st- sit in the game too long, they lose their edge, they become inattentive, they become bored. The key is, for me, I get up and I walk around. Sometimes, literally, in a circle next to the table, just to exercise a little bit. Uh, Sometimes just to get into the habit of standing up so that I don't atrophy. Uh, My leg and uh, back muscles don't atrophy. But I also find that if I've suffered a bad beat, or if I'm finding that I'm not paying attention, or I misread a card, or something like that, it helps for me to get up, walk away, maybe get a cup of coffee or something to eat, and uh, then come back. The game's always going to be there, so I recommend that people exercise a little bit. Well, that that's would be my all answer. we got. Okay, um, listen, folks, please come back next week, listen to House of Cards, and good night and good luck. Listeners, this is Ashley Adams. I just wanted to uh, mention something, that if any of you have any poker questions that you would like to ask, we are always interested in your questions and comments about the show, about the guests, strategy questions. They could be practical questions about where and how to find the game. Send your questions to info at houseofcardsradio.com. And you can also get our tweets on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash HOC radio. We're very interested in them. And of course, if they're particularly interesting, we'll put them on the air and answer them here in our segment of mailbag. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash HOC radio. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash HOC radio. Poker players, listen up. Your right to play poker continues to come under attack. But with over 1 million members, the Poker Players Alliance is dedicated to protecting your right to play this great American pastime. Even if you've never played a hand of online poker, the Poker Players Alliance is fighting for you. No matter where you choose to play, the PPA is working hard to defend you, your rights, and the game of poker. 
The PPA is making great strides, but we still need your help. We have sent a clear message to lawmakers and others committed to prohibiting your right to play poker. We are organized and we vote. Add your voice to our cause and join the Poker Players Alliance today. Visit www.joinppa.org and become part of the fight to save poker. It only takes a few minutes to make a difference. The Poker Players Alliance, fighting to protect your freedom to play the game we love. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.